Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, What Does Romans Chapter 13 Say About Legalism and Pandemic Life? Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, January 10th, we continued our study of the first of three topics found in Romans 13. It was the continued look at a presumed biblical contradiction we ended on in part one of this topic. We resolved this presumed contradiction in part two by doing what should be done, studying deeper for the answer or answers we are looking for to resolve any presumed contradiction we find in Scripture. I say presumed contradiction because no such thing can really be found in the Bible anywhere. Contradictions exist in our minds when we have trouble understanding God's Word. Today, our problems are relying on presumed pastors and or teachers to resolve the contradiction for us. Now, more than ever, it is more important to get into God's Word and resolve such contradictions ourselves. So, getting back to the contradiction we resolved, we found this contradiction rested in the degree or level of submission to human law we are to make. The confusing part is the fact that good laws are to be obeyed even if not authored in the Bible by God himself. However, man-made laws that conflict with God's law are not to be obeyed. This week, we will conclude our in-depth examination of Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. The subject in these verses is submission to civil government. Next week, we will continue in verse 8. The next subject of study is knowing what is said about the exhortation to love neighbors. It is recently said that this chapter speaks about legalism and pandemic life. One must first ask, how does Romans chapter 13 do that? Legalism and pandemic life are not mentioned specifically in this passage, as some have said it does. As yet, we have not found anything in the first three verses, however thin or thick the veil may be, with regard to pandemic life as it has been said this passage blatantly addresses. So, let us dig in some more, to further see if what we are told by these pastors and teachers really is true. We have read the first three verses of Romans chapter 13. Let's pick it up where we left off in verse 3. 
We stopped short in verse 3 because that is where the sentence in verse 2 ends in my Bible. For continuity, we will pick it up where the second sentence opens in verse 3. Do you desire not to fear authority? Do good and you will receive its commendation, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be in fear, for it does not bear the sword in vain. It is God's servant to administer retribution on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of the wrath of the authorities, but also because of your conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants devoted to governing. Pay everyone what is owed, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Romans chapter 13 verses 3 through 7. This does sound like a contradiction of what we have learned in parts 1 and 2. It seems also throughout our understanding that this passage is not as definite as it sounds and or reads. It would seem we have not fully resolved or resolved at all the contradiction we seem to have solved last week. This is one of the complications of the Bible and why we can be easily led astray in our faith by others of which we listen. What this passage really is saying is why we need to dig deeper still. Commentary reads, The apostle here speaks of rulers in general. It may not be universally true that they are not a terror to good works, for many of them have persecuted the good. But it is generally true that they who are virtuous have nothing to fear from the laws. It is universally true that the design of their appointment by God was not to injure and oppress the good, but to detect and punish the evil. Magistrates, as such, are not a terror to good works. On this point, commentary says they are not appointed to punish the good. Their appointment is not to inspire terror in those who are virtuous and peaceable citizens. From Barnes New Testament Notes With that said in commentary, where are we today in pandemic life and a very fast-changing world? For it would seem, at least, that this issue is flipping to support the evil and to punish the good by what we see in the world today. Does this sound like Bible prophecy you may have read or even may have heard? It should. The real question is, when will such a thing certainly happen? If we are not there, we are close. My personal opinion is that we are closer than some would like. I do believe, at the very least, our time is running out before the coming of Christ for us on the clouds. Notice our commentary passage. 
it opens with this sentence. The apostle here speaks of rulers in general. So this is not about specific rulers. It is about any ruler anywhere to which this teaching applies. This is how it circumvents time as it passes into more modern days such as ours. This means it is no less true for us today as it was when it was first written. Now, notice this. When commentary continues, it may not be universally true that they are not a terror to good works, for many of them have persecuted the good. But it is generally true that they who are virtuous have nothing to fear from the laws. Notice the first part of that statement. It may not be universally true that they are not a terror to good works, for many of them have persecuted the good. Semicolon. Even good people do wrong things unintentionally, if they are basically good people. To prosecute, even persecute them, for unintentional infractions may well be a bit much, depending on the situation. Also, persecuting good people who have not done anything wrong is not a good thing either. Can you see why? Barnes' New Testament notes said, It became, therefore, a question of great importance and difficulty what kind of allegiance they were to render to earthly magistrates. It seems we are finding the great importance and difficulty in this passage, as previously found in our earlier episodes. Can you see how definite this passage is while the apostle here speaks of rulers in general? Secondly, commentary said, It is generally true that they who are virtuous have nothing to fear from the laws. Notice it does not separate good laws from bad laws. It separates good people from bad and evil people. We can also conclude the bad laws being those we as born-again Christians simply, by what the scripture in this study says, cannot be obeyed because we are held by a higher authority, an authority which is God himself and to whom we have cast our allegiance for eternity. Further commentary on verse 3 reads, with respect to the magistrates who are not appointed to punish the good. Their appointment is not to inspire terror in those who are virtuous and peaceable citizens. Notice what commentary just said. Their appointment is not to inspire terror in those who are virtuous and peaceable citizens. God's people are supposed to be recognized by their virtuous and peaceable traits. So, one has to ask the obvious question. What is up with the legal and or the political systems of the day in any day?
ours or theirs that successfully prosecutes people who are good, virtuous, and peaceable law-abiding people. Notice how commentary continues with respect to the officials overseeing a particular people anywhere on planet Earth. Appointed to detect and punish evil doers, and therefore an object of terror to them. The design of the apostle here is, evidently, to reconcile Christians to submission to the government for its utility. It is appointed to protect the good against the evil, to restrain oppression, injustice, and fraud, to bring offenders to justice, and thus promote the peace and harmony of the community, as it is designed to promote order and happiness it should be submitted to, and so long as this object is pursued and obtained, government should receive the countenance and support of Christians. But if it departs from this principle and becomes the protector of the evil and the oppressor of the good, the case is reversed and the obligation to its support must cease. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. That commentary passage said a lot. It strongly suggests, if not outrightly saying so, that the legal system of any day is created to promote order and happiness. The legal system does this by detecting and punishing evildoers who, by their actions and words, are an object of terror to those who seek to be good people. Notice the next statement in commentary. The design of the apostle here is, evidently, to reconcile Christians to submission to the government from its utility. From Barnes' New Testament Notes To those of limited biblical understanding, this statement promotes a controversy or contradiction. We need to somehow separate our submission to our respective governments, quote, from its utility, end quote. That invokes the question, what is the utility of any government? Let us take a look at the word utility. Today, it first invokes thoughts of the gas company, the electric company, the water company, and so forth. However, the word must have a different meaning given its use here. Let's examine the meaning for utility. The very first meaning for the word in a modern dictionary is the quality or condition of being useful, usefulness. The second meaning for the word utility is a useful article or device. Now, in the third definition of utility, we now find a public utility. All three, in order, are from the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Now, 
Let us look at this word meaning from Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. It reads, Usefulness, production of good, profitable to some valuable end, as the utility of manures upon land, the utility of the sciences, the utility of medicines. By the usage and meaning of the word utility, we must conclude that commentary said, The design of the apostle here is, evidently, to reconcile Christians to submission to the government from its usefulness, production of good, and be profitable to some valuable end. This is why commentary is telling us why our obedience to earthly authority is conditional. Keep in mind that God's law and rule is above man's, man's government. When man's law tells us to do something as lawful that is contrary to what God's law tells and teaches us, we then must respectfully obey the higher law of God. This is why Part 1 opened with the teaching on the subject by saying the great importance and difficulty. The difficulty for us, who are clearly born again in Christ, is that we will face this issue more and more as the days grow shorter and closer to the coming of Christ on the clouds. How we look at this issue can be summed up this way in commentary. If you do evil by resisting the laws, and in any other manner, will you not fear the power of the government? Fear is one of the means by which men are restrained from crime in a community. On many minds, it operates with much more power than any other motive and it is one which a magistrate must make use of to restrain men from evil. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Hence, life in a fallen world where people still try to make things right. It will never be perfect, but it just might not be as bad as it could get, seeing and Times Prophecy, which speaks of just such a downward trend in life towards the end. This is why you do not want to be here for the tribulation period when this is significantly worse. We must also take note of the fact that we must not only obey God's law, but human law as well, all the time maintaining that God's law is supreme and no human law is equal or may even take precedence over God's law. Moving forward into verse 4, which is the completion of the full thought. Quoting verse 3 in part, Do you desire not to fear authority? Do good and you will receive its commendation. Comma, verse 4, For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be in fear, for it does not bear the sword in vain. It is God's servant to administer retribution on the wrong doer. 
Romans chapter 13, verses 3 through 4. Notice that last comment in verse 4. It is God's servant to administer retribution on the wrongdoer. Just what is the Bible talking about? Are God's servants really magistrates? Is it us, who are older in our walk in Christ, who are magistrates here in this Romans passage? Notice what commentary says. Vengeance is said to belong to God, yet he executes his vengeance by means of subordinate agents. It belongs to him to take vengeance by direct judgments, by the plague, famine, sickness, or earthquakes, by the appointment of magistrates, or by letting loose the passions of men to prey upon each other. When a magistrate inflicts punishment on the guilty, it is to be regarded as the act of God taking vengeance by him, and on this principle only is it right for a judge to condemn a man to death. It is not because one man has by nature any right over the life of another, or because society has any right collectively which it has not as individuals, but because God gave life and because he has chosen to take it away when crime is committed by the appointment of magistrates and not by coming forth himself visibly to execute the laws. Where human laws fail, however, he often takes vengeance into his own hands and by the plague or some signal judgments sweeps the guilty into eternity. From Barnes New Testament Notes With respect to the opening of this commentary passage, notice Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It reads, Do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Continuing, Notice the next sentence in this commentary passage referring to God. It reads, Yet he, God, executes his vengeance by means of subordinate agents. Who are these subordinate agents? Clearly, the magistrates we are talking about here fall into this subordinate category of agents. In other words, humans. However, God oftentimes executes punishment himself, as commentary states in the next sentence. It reads, It belongs to him, God, to take vengeance by direct judgments, by the plague, famine, sickness, or earthquakes, by the appointment of magistrates, or by letting loose the passions of men to prey upon each other. Does a global pandemic fall into this somehow? Notice there are four items above the use of magistrates. Plague, famine, sickness, and earthquakes. 
then by the appointment of magistrates. If man fails to learn his lesson, then God allows the passions of men to prey upon each other. Wow! Can you see any of this today? Do we have plagues behind this present pandemic? Do we have famines? Do we have sickness? Do we have earthquakes? People even see themselves above authority or the magistrates of today's world. If this is true, then what is left but for many men and women to be consumed with their greedy and harmful passions preying on each other? The one thing we may have uncovered is that the magistrates are God's people. However, they are not. Notice Romans chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. These verses read, Therefore it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of the wrath of the authorities, but also because of your conscience. For this reason you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants devoted to governing. Notice verse 6 after the comma. It reads, For the authorities are God's servants devoted to governing. So there it is. In today's world, we are ruled mostly by those unsaved of Christ. We depend on them being good people, godly people, hopefully, and not obsessed with their own position and power. How much more, though, are we seeing this today as a fleeting? thing. Next week, we will look at the next portion of this passage in Romans, verses 8, 9, and 10. Verse 10 holds a surprise for us we definitively want to see and understand. Play or download next week's episode, What Does Romans Chapter 13 Say About Exhortation to Love Neighbors? From one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic, Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction about us, who we are, a listen. 
In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. If you would rather search for us, please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Church, to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. Note, please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, This is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.